Hi, my name's Sam Sheen, and I'm joined as always by my friend and professional colleague, Marilyn Berg. And this is our podcast, Captivated Audience. Thank you so much, Sam. It's a pleasure for me to welcome Alexa Bell to this uh, podcast, a former colleague of mine and also true lover of data. Welcome, Alexa. Good morning, Marie. Good morning, Sam. Lovely to be here. Looking forward to this podcast with you, both of you. Will you please tell us a little bit about you, where you work and where you're currently based? Yes, thank you, Marie. So um, I'm one of the co-founders, so one of the six members that founded a software company called Contexa. I'm based in London at the moment, and I've been doing kind of AML since before the year 2000, building the first generation of transaction monitoring systems. And if you remember that far back with a company called Searchbase, been through kind of many, many different iterations, and now obviously we formed Contexa four years ago. So, Alexan, tell us a little bit about the inspiration. How'd you come up with the idea to create Quantexa? You know, Marie and I, we were working together in a, in a company, as the other founders were as well, and we were trying to understand why AML systems produced so many false positives, why it took so long to investigate alerts, but also outside of our world, like why is fraud decisions, fraud losses so high? Why can't you keep customers? Why do customers churn? And we founded Quantexa because we believe that actually those systems or those people lacked context or data to make the right decision. So we built Contexa to essentially work with data, which I love, and allow organizations to ask different questions of it when it's assembled and created and curated in the right way. Alex, and putting it everything into context, you know, collecting the clues, connecting the dots. Could you tell us a little bit, what kind of patterns do you detect? What kind of technology are you using? What is the foundation of the solution? Yeah, so I think what we're trying to do is represent kind of human investigating and thinking processes in software. So we have a technical term, which we call entity resolution. This is the ability to connect data together, but we visualize that data and we run our analytics using networks. What we've been able to prove in our current situations is that we've been able to double or triple the productivity of an investigator because we've assembled the right data and analyzed it in a a way that's meaningful to them and give the output in understandable English. But when we do detection for things like trade-based money laundering, correspondent banking markets, we're seeing a huge change in the alert volumes. So literally thousands of alerts being reduced to hundreds. And in most cases, it's like a 75% drop in alert numbers between a traditional approach where we used to work and a context approach. So it's really transformative. So Alexa, can you give us something tangible that we can wrap our arms around? What I mean by that is it's clear the technology is quite powerful. Give us some examples of some financial crime that technologies actually allowed financial institutions to detect more effectively. Let's give you a, a kind of really interesting case. We, this is from Correspondent Banking. We were working with, a, with an organization, and what we first saw was a transaction originating from Venezuela, and it was clearing through this bank, and they stopped the payment because it was going to the U.S. Good decision. The name of the, the company wasn't on a sanctions list on either end, okay, so it wasn't too obvious, but they stopped it anyway. Now, when Contexa came in, we used some additional data from corporate registries, like BVD or Dun & Bradstreet, and we built the corporate hierarchy of the originating party. And we found out that it's actually connected to a state-owned enterprise. And it was also had connections, like the directors were also connected to pets. What happened next was truly interesting because they clearly wanted to move that money. So what did they do? 
they set up you know, a nondescript holding company in the Cayman Islands. They moved a bunch of money to the Cayman Islands. And then from the Cayman Islands, they moved money to the same entity that they tried to originally send money to in the US. That for me is really finding the needle in the haystack. It's that unusual movement of money that you couldn't see just by looking at value and volume. It's actually who made the transaction and where did it go to? Context. So that is the link between people and enterprises and companies and other type of data that you put into it and then adding the payment information to it. That's why you were able to detect it. That's absolutely right. I think, and if you think about what an investigator does, so if a traditional system managed to flag this, what would an investigator do? They would go and search on the internet and they try and find out who the originator was, do some research, find out who the beneficiary was, do exactly the same thing and try and piece this together themselves manually. And that's why we see the productivity of our platform when it's used for investigations go from 2x to 3x or more because getting the software to do all that work for you is much more effective and let the investigators investigate. So let's talk about data. I heard you once said that perfect data does not exist. Absolutely correct. There is no such thing as perfect data, even in the corporate registries that kind of create that information, it's still not perfect. It's also, if you think about the update process, it's never completely up to date, nothing is real time instantaneous. So you have to have a system that deals with that. And as you go into emerging markets, that data quality starts to dip dramatically. And so that's one of the key things that we wanted to ensure that Quantexa did was that we can deal with this dirty data because actually there's still value in data, even if it's only 10% populated. Use the 10% where it exists and don't use the other stuff because that will give you uplift. And what we're finding actually is that sometimes when you've got just one or two data items, you can actually use that to connect and enrich from other sources and build a fuller picture of data. And then that gives you uplift everywhere downstream from that one process. So Alexa, um, one of the things we've talked about, or in fact, one of the cases we've talked about quite a bit on this podcast is the Swedbank case. And we've looked at both the mm. re- regulators report as well as the investigation report of Clifford Chance. And it was highlighted several times how there appeared to be a disconnect in communication or sharing of information between the parent company and its subsidiaries in the Baltics. And there was a real challenge on top of that in that the customer risk profile didn't seem to be feeding in or informing transactional activity. What do you think about that? This is symptomatic of what's happened in the past, right? Banks have grown by acquisition, right? They have a very large ecosystem in silos. um, And unfortunately, they're not talking to each other. And again, you know, the context of platforms are designed to kind of break those silos and connect customers. So in some of our biggest customers, we have... You know, the ability to look at 65 countries worth of data and the security and permissioning means that when we run our into resolution this kind of complex term we can start to create things that are useful to the bank like a single view of customer it's a statistical one not an mdm one but it can tell you that and again banks and you can you believe banks still struggle to say lexenbell has a current account of savings a credit card an overdraft and a mortgage and a trading account right they can't do that and what I've seen is context is showing them how those things exist. And then when you scale out to big problems like with global banks or big regional banks, they don't know that Alexon banks in you know, Stockholm, Copenhagen, Lithuania, Germany, and London. And that piece of information is just fundamental to the risk profile. 
if I've got one account with a bank, I'm not as big a risk as if I've got five. And if I'm banked in 10 countries and not one, that's a completely different risk as well. One of our previous guests, Ericsson, we had a discussion about the criminals and the organized crime groups. They are not using, of course, their own name. They're not using their own accounts in order to launder money, even though it was said in a very fun or ironic way. That still is the case. So coming back to identifying the people around the network, how important is that? Hugely important. And I, I totally support that kind of view, right? The criminals are not stupid. They're very smart. They don't use their names. Let me give you another example. Again, correspondent banking, so international payment. What we see is movement of funds within a country, and basically it's the sale of a property. It goes to the title company, to an intermediary company, which then sends that money off to a higher risk jurisdiction close to Europe. I won't say anything more than that. What happens next is it goes to a person. Right? So it's an individual that receives the money. That individual is not on a list. Now, what's interesting is we find that individual on a corporate record as a director of a company. On that company, we find two other directors who happen to be the uncle and the brother of someone who is actually on a sanctions list, a sanctioned entity, right? Not a pet, a sanctioned entity and his relatives and close associates. So that's the power of networks, right? It's being able to look that one step beyond with any data that we can connect and identify when things are interesting. So for us, if there was one connection, right, to that sanctioned entity, it might not be so interesting. But the fact that they were two connections, brother and uncle, and the names, by the way, are not very common, that in itself is statistically very unlikely. So Alexa, the other day I was doing a capital markets course and I was talking about the infamous Deutsche Bank mirror trading transactions and the circular nature of those transfers. And we saw it again in a different context in the Swedbank report where Clifford Chance talked about customer HRNR1, who again was making what appeared to be circular movements of money through accounts of similarly related entities. And that's been really difficult to detect, both in relation to the Deutsche Bank and in relation to the Swedbank case. How does your technology help in some ways to try and break down those, I suppose, those blind spots, which clearly prevented in both of those cases, people really understanding the full picture of the transactional activity? Yeah, and I think this is where using data, specifically corporate data, is really insightful because that gives you the view of someone's business relationships that are not part of the bank. So if you see the circular flow of money, right? I send money from Alexon Incorporated to Marie Incorporated, right? It looks normal. And then Sam, if you send money to me, it looks like I'm basically got a business relationship with two of you. But if we find that Marie and Sam, you're on a, you know, the directors of another company or part of the same corporate group, which we see in the corporate registry information, that's, very interesting circular flows of money between the three of us. And that's what criminals do. Again, kind of the legacy approaches of kind of average and standard deviation profiles never pick that up because they don't look at those relationships and they don't have the external data to piece that together. And that's really what Quantexa does, is it looks at the external information to see whether there's connections. Because essentially, money laundering is a series of patterns over time it is a small group 
who don't really trust very many people, so their network of connections is small. Find, you know, Context's approach is find those connections, right? And you think of it like a bit of string, you find it and you pull that piece of string and you trace it to wherever it might go. Alex, and implementing a new solution and adding all that data to it, could you give us your top three tips on when starting implementing a new system or a new solution in your organization? What to think about? Be pragmatic, right? Your data is never going to be perfect. Work with what you've got. Understand your own business. Like that's really important. Your bank or whatever organization is different to another one. You know, this is a journey. It starts with the project and it doesn't end nine months later when you go live. You've got all the things to go with it. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's all about people. Right? It doesn't matter how wonderful the context of technology is. If people can't understand it or use it or adapt it, we haven't done the right thing. And we've got to make it so that people can do that. And if you do that, you do start to transform organizations and businesses. So one final question, Alexon, before we finish off. I also understand that your organization does some work with NGOs? Yeah, we do. So again, this is something that we feel very kind of strongly about is data for good, technology for good. So trying to stop things like human trafficking, organ trafficking, wildlife, so I can't name the NGOs, but we've worked with a number of them to help them understand how criminals piece together ivory smuggling, for example, or uh, organ trafficking. What do those networks look like and how are businesses used to both move people or move produce, but also launder money? Data for good. And on that note, I would just like to say thank you on behalf of Sam and I. It's always interesting to hear you speak about these things. So thank you so much. Marie, Sam, thank you for the invitation. Lovely as always to talk to you and uh, look forward to having a cup of tea in person at some time when this uh, all ends. Uh, wonderful to talk to you. And that concludes today's podcast of Captivated Audience. Do you have some interesting topics you would like us to discuss? Drop us a line on captivatedaudience.eu or simply just look us up on LinkedIn. Until next time, thank you and stay safe. There'll be some changes there.